The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that armadillos have such a strong nurturing instinct that they'll actually raise the abandoned offspring of any species they find, including humans? In fact, dozens of humans every year are raised by armadillos, including the three recorders we have here tonight. We were all raised by armadillos. That's yep. why we're called the Armadillo Podcasting that's Club. That's true. Yeah, yeah that's, that's totally true. true. Yeah. Uh, to find out more armadillo facts and to unlock bonus content, check us out at patreon.com slash club. Wheel of Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to the Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Michael Sparkman. And today we're going to cover chapters 16 through 20 of The Fires of Heaven, book 5 of the Wheel of Time. Previously, Swan uncovers the secret meeting place of the Blue Aja Loyalists, and we learn uh, what a nine horse hitch is. I know you're all wondering. <laughs> uh, Gareth Bryan and his old soldier squad are hot on the trail. Nynaeve is a real ass face to her friends, and they finally call her on it, which is, I think, a long time coming. Uh, she goes dream scouting and finally gets wind of the White Tower crew, and so now that uh, that cat's out of the bag, finally. I mean, we've known about it for a long time. Nynaeve just got around to it. News travels slowly. That's right. Mm. Chapter 16, an unexpected offer. Uh, icon of the sunburst, because there's children of the light all over the place. Boo. Yeah. We're still in Sienda, and Elaine and Nynaeve are wrangling with each other over where to go next, sort of arguing with each other. I want to point out a weird thing. So this is like at the very beginning of the chapter. She's getting ready uh, kind of for her day. And it says she scrubs her teeth with salt and soda, which sounds, of course, mm. like a Kesha song. But I'm like, I'm wondering, <laughs> like, is that a, is that a thing? Like, That's so- baking soda. Baking soda they used. I didn't know about salt. Uh, I, I guess the salt was for the grit. It like makes, it- doesn't it do something with soda? Isn't that like a... Doesn't make a volcano explode or something. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, yeah, it's like that science experiment volcano that you did when you were in elementary school. She does it in your mouth. <laughs> you put it in your mouth and like and the foam shoots out of your mouth. I used to do that with Mentos and Diet Coke. Yeah, mm. in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. straight out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, and that's how you get your teeth clean. <laughs> uh, blast them right out of your face. Yeah, I guess it's some kind of old timey way of cleaning your teeth. Yeah, I'd never heard of that before. I thought it was interesting. But uh, before they can do anything, they get. Totally busted by Galad. And they're in big trouble now. Because he is a white cloak. Which we kind of saw coming. Yeah, I mean, like, I kind of wondered what happened to him. And I feel like he's sort of like that dude that maybe you knew in high school. And then you come across him on Facebook. And he's kind of gone a little racist. And you're not really all that surprised about it. You're like, oh, yeah, it kind of tracks. Yeah, yeah. That's Galad, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he's been missing for a while, but we kind of knew where it was going. (laughs) Or he's like the guy who years later you see and you find out that he like is a realtor or sells used cars or some other super douchey thing. Yeah. Apologies to any uh, realtors or used car salesmen, salesmen out or there. Or other douchebags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're a douchebag and you listen to our podcast, please give us money. <laughs> yeah, check out our Patreon. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, that makes total sense. You became a, you know, lawyer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, this is awful because Elaine knows that he will turn them in or... <laughs> drag them back to her mother or some other definition of what he thinks is right. Yeah. It's interesting the way, because Robert Jordan makes the point over and over and over again when he's talking about Galad, about how Galad has this sense of self-righteousness and he will always do what's right, no matter the consequences, no matter who it hurts. Including himself. Including himself. And it's and that's also what characterizes the Children of the Light. And I have to wonder if there's something 
not biographical, autobiographical in there, but something based on his own experiences coming from a war where despite all these horrible deaths and all these things that were happening, there was a sense of, well, we have to do this because this is the right thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a a good point. A lot of people were true believers in Mm -hmm. Vietnam. I don't really get this attractiveness thing with Gilad. Like, he really, like, Robert Jordan really leans on it, and, and Nynaeve repeatedly makes the point that she's distracted by how attractive he is. Well, I realized something here is that the only other person that's described like this is Lanfear. Yeah. Which I don't think means he's evil, but I think it's the same thing as Lanfear. He's just, that's his quality, is that he's incredibly attractive. So attractive that it, it's, you can't ignore it. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder if he would be at all effective or have risen as he has if he was just really ugly. Well, he, I mean, yeah. he's the son of a king, or, well, not a king, a con, like the consort of the queen, so... Right, yeah, but he, Lord in the, in he apparently has some kind of rank with the white clubs oh, that right. he's gained, despite being really young. Yeah. And they say, oh, you know, it's because you're good at strategy and tactics and he's a really good swordsman or whatever, but, you know, maybe it's just that he's so pretty. Yeah. I'm trying to think, like, how attractive would someone have to be where it was to the point of distracting? Well, I'm trying the, to think if I've ever met anybody in my life where I've been like, you're so beautiful, I can't even listen to what you're saying. That's exactly, like, nothing comes, like, I, they're beautiful people. I mean, like, celebrities and stuff like that, right? And you can say, okay, that's a really beautiful person, but I can't think of anyone who's, like, so attractive that it would disarm me, you know, or make me like not be able to think straight. Maybe if you actually met them in real life, like I can look at videos of Channing Tatum, which I constantly do, mm-hmm. and think, okay, that is me an too. incredibly, yeah, you do, <laughs> an incredibly attractive man. Look, he's but, a skilled dancer, okay? Mm-hmm, that's it. I want to learn to pop and lock. But maybe <laughs> if you saw him in person, you'd be like struck dumb. Because I remember that happening to me once in terms of celebrity. Um, <laughs> I met Jimmy Carter and like I couldn't talk which oh, is right. dumb because it's not like he's, he's a great so idol he's or, so he's, <laughs> or I think he's this man is attractive or anything mm-hmm. but it was like oh shit like you're larger than life and there you are in real life mm-hmm. well I get that, that I mean that, I think that's a different sort of thing it's like you're, you're the presence of the person or just like all of the fame and, and I guess power whatever associated with their their character but like I don't think I just nothing comes to mind as far as somebody who's so like physically attractive beyond all other qualities that they that it's you know yeah affects my ability to interact with them well let's all name the most attractive man we know celebrity or otherwise and then galad will be an amalgamation of that all right let me think okay okay that's a tough one Mm -hmm. on three all right are we ready we have a name yeah yeah one, two, three. Leonardo Adam Driver. <laughs> Wait, Adam Driver, really? Okay. There's just something about no, him. This is a judgment-free zone. No, no, you're right. Yeah. Right. Like, have, have you seen that Saturday Night Live video uh, where they're trying to describe why Benedict Cumberbatch is hot? Yeah. And you can't, like, really put words to it? Yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel about Adam Driver. I just Driver. feel like he's got a mookity face. Not his fault. That's racist. <laughs> Mookity <Is> face. <laughs> is he? You can't say that. Is Jesus. that racist? <laughs> Micah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he does. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, let's talk about Jeff's pick. I mean, like, I, he's all right, I guess. I th- but he's not going to be a senator for that much longer. attractive, right? Yeah, I don't know why you're into that <laughs> Republican you're senator. You're super into I that just, guy. I love it when you combine power and stupidity. <laughs> That is hot. I guess, no, serious answer would be, uh, what's his name? Loki. Loki guy. Tom Hiddleston? Yeah, I think he's really pretty. Like, Okay, yeah. When he's Loki, actually, specifically. Yeah. He's amazingly put together. I, yeah. Yeah. I think Leonardo DiCaprio has always been, like, what I thought was, like, a really, like, attractive dude. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that's part of your, the era, though, because I remember when we were, when Titanic was, like, mm-hmm. 
a big deal during very formative years for us. Yeah. Even though he's still super attractive. Yeah, he's he's aged well. Yeah, he has like a fine wine. Yeah, he's got good eyes. Got like a nice like face shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's too short. When he's not being mauled. I don't, I, don't, I like him short. Yeah. I like someone I can like really wrap up in my arms. You know. <laughs> so on a scale of one I, I, to ten, I like a tower that I can climb and conquer. <laughs> <laughs> So like the mountain or whatever, right? From the Game of Thrones? That's right. The taller, the better. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. So that's how hot Galad is. <laughs> so uh, I, I want to point out, like, this is like a, like a kind of silly side thing about Nynaeve. Uh, so she's, you'll notice that at the beginning of this chapter, um, she's pushing hard for them taking the land route. And Elaine is trying to talk her into, like, letting them take a ship, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you'll, you may recall take that when ship. we... Take, yeah, take a big shit. I caught up. I caught up. Okay, so Elaine's pushing for a sea route and, or I guess river and then sea, and Nynaeve's pushing for the land route. Now you may recall when we begun with Nynaeve in this book, she was complaining about how she wished she had taken the sea route, and they were on this stupid carriage, and it was miserable. Mm-hmm. And she's doing it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I just thought that was funny. It's like mm-hmm. I, 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 I suspect it's played for comedy, and it was funny to me. She would be complaining. Any, anytime, anywhere, no matter yeah. what. But, uh, so yeah, yeah, and, and Galad offers to escort them to Camelin, but it offers more like a threat, you know, because he Elaine believes he, he won't give them a choice in the matter. And and it, it's interesting because during this conversation, Elaine is kind of playing it cool, and uh, uh, Nynaeve is not really Nynaeve is not sure that she is. Uh, Nynaeve is concerned that she's like not aware of the of what's going on with Galad, but mm-hmm. like. Elaine is playing it like a right. Like she's totally playing him. Yeah, because, and, and and well, I'd say. Yeah, because her her plan is to get out of there immediately. Yeah, which is it's interesting how almost fearful she is of Galad, but I guess Galad has a lot of power over her in this situation. Mm-hmm. I also noticed that Galad never lies like an Aes Sedai. He yeah. twists words. I thought it was a really interesting parallel. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a conversation where one of his his coworkers comes up and he's like. He says some things. I think he says something like, oh... Like, I thought I knew these women when I sat down, but I guarantee that they're not attracted to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, they probably wouldn't like any of my friends either. Like, all of those things are, like, absolutely true. Yeah. But also totally mislead that guy about the situation. Yeah. So that's... Is that considered right? You know, to tell truth like an Aes Sedai does? It's weird. I, he does. And, and what's interesting is how good at it he is. I think that's that's fascinating for somebody who's like so purportedly obsessed with being uh, with righteousness and goodness. He's really good at lying without lying. Right. I wonder if that has something to do with his diplomatic background, though, too, because Elaine is pretty good at that as well. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah he was raised as a prince mm-hmm. to do this sort of thing. I suspect it has something to do with his father. We don't know a whole lot about that, but there's like this this implication that that uh, he was raised by his dad, and while. Elaine and Gawain had the same father. They were not really raised by him. He, they were too young before he died. But I, it seems like it might be the influence of him because of his of his father. We don't know much about that. But so they have to escape, and uh, they they go back to the room and they're kind of in a panic. And at this moment, Elaine and Tom realize that they know who each other is. And I guess Elaine already knew who he was. She was just not saying it. Oh, and, and Tom definitely knew who she was, but didn't right, know yeah. that she knew. Absolutely. Yeah. And so she's been kind of flirting with them. There's this whole weird dynamic in this scene where she talks about, she kind of talks about with Nynaeve and she comes out about it like, yeah, I was flirting with them because, you know, I wanted to 
see what he's like, see what my mother sees in him, you know? My mother likes him, therefore I should like him, or something. I don't quite understand it. Nor it, do I. It was super gross. Nynaeve, we, we, Nynaeve thinks about it. Um, and I guess, the thing is, I thought, I thought Tom and Elaine had already realized who each other were, but I guess that didn't count because Elaine was completely wasted. Yeah, and then after that, she pretended like she didn't remember. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, but the way Nynaeve explains it is it's as she, she'd seen it before, apparently, um, a girl who's old enough to think of herself as a woman who she can measure herself against except her mother. Well, who was her mother fucking her father? So she's going to like practice because yeah, that's like what she she's sees. seen this before. What? Yeah, this is I, so I don't know. weird. This, this it, is, yeah, it's, I, I don't, that seems weird to me, but it, I guess that's not to them. I don't yeah, know. I mean, it was really uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this, this whole dynamic, it, it, it gets weirder the more it yeah, goes I, on. I like my explanation, which is that she's trying on different personalities a lot better than this, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it's inappropriate from a certain angle, but it's not like she is his daughter. Yeah. Which we, they established that here also. Um, that, that he's actually, Tom is not the father. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he didn't even show up until a couple of years after Elaine's dad died, right? Uh, I think he was around, but he wasn't with Morghese. Sure. Actually, we find out that he was. We'll, we'll get yeah, to that we, later. We learned a bit about that later, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I thought this was a really crappy explanation from Robert Jordan and gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, it I, didn't make sense to me. Like yeah, I'm, I'm really a, not sure what he's getting at. Yeah, like I'm a I'm a daughter of a father, and that idea was just completely repugnant and repellent. As much as he tries to minimize it and call it, I think he says, "quote harmless flirting." It's gross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So their plan is to escape and join the circus, hmm. which is a solid plan. Actually, I mean, it, it, it by their be a standard solid plan, plan. they weren't depending on this guy that Nynaeve like took a big dump on earlier. Right? <laughs> yeah, karma coming back to kick you in the ass. Yeah, too, no. too bad Nynaeve was a huge dick to this guy before. She, she was like that were... guy. I mean, the last I saw him, he was throwing a rock at us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anything else about that Tom and Elaine stuff or or their plans to leave? Um, I mean, you know, just a naive kind of a hoarder, it turns out. She's packing up her things. She's talking about all this stuff that she's been, I guess, accumulating on the on the journey. And she's like, oh, we have to leave some stuff you behind. You know what it reminded me of? Hmm. Uh, a D&D party. We, we <laughs> keep this right. stuff, right? Yeah, that's right. Like, oh, you find a bunch of uh, dead people in the room. Okay, we take all their clothes and put them in our pocket. <laughs> <laughs> what do you need those for? I don't know. We're taking them. We sell them the next town for three coppers. <laughs> take literally everything that's not nailed down. Yeah. What's the carry weight on that? I don't know. Yeah, right? The DM's not checking. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and Tom and Julian are the ones who are lugging him up and down the stairs. Yeah. Here's my question, though. How broke are Nynaeve and Elaine? Because Nynaeve keeps thinking about how Elaine is just spending money willy-nilly, but uh, yeah, I, we don't They're not broke at all. My, my, my take on it is that they have lots and lots of money. They talk about a, a couple of points where... They, they bought a carriage in the last town yeah, like, like on... I think they have tremendous things. amounts of wealth, but Nynaeve controls the money and she is really tight with coin. And she always has been. Like, it's it's a thing. She's yeah. She hates spending money. I think they which, have a pocket with gold and silver in it, which by peasant standards is just a crap load of money. Yeah. You can live for a long time on that. They also have writs from Tarvalon to, like, take out bank drafts, basically. They can take out money yeah. at money lenders if they need to. Yeah, they had, And that, that's what they plan to use to pay the big amount of money they offered to Val and Luca. And they had two of those... Uh, to begin with, and I think they still have them. I remember they were given to it with the intention that they would be hiring ships with that money. As far as I know, they haven't. They didn't, they didn't, I know they didn't need it back then, so as far yeah. as I know, they still have them. 
is it are their writs still going to be good? I mean, obviously people will still accept them because nobody, because oh. almost nobody outside of Tarvalon knows what happened to Swan Sanche. But well, they, maybe the people that owe the money don't even know it's Tarvalon money. You know, maybe mm. it's one of those situations. I don't know. I, I think the writ did actually say something about being backed by the White Tower. Oh, in that it case, did. that's useless in Amador. That's mm-hmm. a good question. Yeah, I don't know. or that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, they were definitely signed by Swan Sanche. I'm pretty sure her name was actually on there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that's... And maybe they're not as good as they think they are. Yeah. But it, it definitely in their pockets, they've got enough money to live on, to travel on. So, chapter 17, heading west. Icon of the elephant. So, they, they sneak out. They have a smooth escape for once. Has yeah. this ever happened for this them This goes really well. Uh, step one is they change dresses <laughs> yeah. into boring dresses. Mm-hmm. Boring, shitty dresses. And, uh, and the, their plan actually works. That Tom and Julian are going to go set out and buy all new supplies with their money. And they're just going to walk out like they're going out on the town. And they're going to wear these big bonnets, which oh so helpfully cover up their face and are the fashion in this town. I'm trying to picture what these look like. Are they just like big, like... Like pioneer bonnets. You yeah, know, okay. Stick out in front of your face and make it like block out everything. That makes sense. Horse blinders. And they're just going to walk out and the, the other two are going to meet them on the road. With a cart and stuff that they bought. Makes sense. And it totally works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yeah. kind of a funny moment here where Nynaeve is like... They're, they're, they're just starting to travel and Nynaeve is like putting two and two together, two together about Tom. She's yeah. like, oh, so he was a court bard. Huh, I guess maybe he actually knows what he's talking about. Yeah, maybe that's why he's always right about this politics <laughs> stuff. And Tom is like, yeah, by the way, Pedro Nial is trying to, to organize all the nations against Rand. She's, she's like, like, how would you know? He's like, I just know. Nynaeve. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, she finally puts it together that this guy is not just a, a dumb gleeman. Even though, like... Everything he's, he's done... He's always right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. To the extent of rescuing her from her mistakes several times. Mm-hmm. But whatever. You know, she gets there in the end. That's the important thing. So they find uh, Valen Luca and his menagerie resting. And uh, Valen Luca is mad at them. Huh. So yeah, <laughs> he's, for whatever reason that we can't imagine, he's not particularly cooperative. If only someone hadn't just, like, taken a big old piss in his morning Cheerios. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? They could have just, like, fluttered their eyes at him, probably, and, mm-hmm. and he, it would have been okay, you know? He seems like he fancies himself a womanizer. But uh, he, he kind of mocks them a little bit, and they, they basically say, well, we'll pay you. Like, shut up and we'll pay you. Elaine spins him some story about trying to avoid a marriage. Yeah. yeah. It sounds pretty plausible, the way she presents it. Yeah, right. She's right that she's trying to get away from her brother. But uh, I love this. This is so cool. So they're joining the circus, and Luca says, anybody who joins the circus works here. And like, like, do you want to clean out the cages, or do you want to learn to perform? And so they all, they all have like a thing that they perform, except for Nynaeve. Who's just like, I got the money, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I got the cash. He's like, what's your trick? She's like, I, <laughs> I carry the money, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> right. That's a good trick. But no, I, 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 I do think it's kind of clever the way that Lane does this. And she's like, without missing a beat, she's like, all right, I'm going to do... Some tightrope walking. It's clever. I mean, it's it's it's, it's quick it's thinking. Quick thinking, yeah. Yeah, it's quick thinking. So Tom is a natural, right? He just shows off his of course performing skills, right? He can juggle, but and, you know, all do good. This is, if they're gonna have to do shows this way, she can't just channel where everybody can see all the time. Why right? not? Oh, that's a good point. Because she's hiding from the Black Aja uh, and Mogedian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But literally, if there's anyone out there who can channel, they'll be able to know that she's channeling too. Yeah, yeah that's right? a good point. As they travel around and the she's, country, she's literally going to be up Perf- on in the sky. Yeah, right? performing in front of large. However, groups. Yeah. They, in the place that they are, there are no Aes Sedai. 
That's true. Until they get to Gaelden, there are, there are no Aes Sedai. Yeah, they're, they're in a land where Aes Sedai are outlawed and banned. And, and she uh, could have so. given Julian a heads up <laughs> before putting him on the tightrope. <laughs> she just called him out. She's just like, oh yeah, Julian can do it too. He's <laughs> yeah. like, what? And, and, and Luca's <laughs> like, I like how he looked terrified the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> he can't see that she's channeling. <laughs> yeah, he didn't know. She yeah. didn't tell him. <laughs> He thought he was going to die, maybe. <laughs> like the last guy who was the tightrope walker. Because <laughs> right. that's what... They're, they're talking about how, oh, that's the tightrope walker, walker's apparatus. He died last night because he <laughs> drank a little too much and fell off. <laughs> uh. But it works. And we meet a bunch of the circus folk. These guys are great. Yeah. I love this. Yeah, I love the little descriptions. He does, you know, one of his things where he does like a quick like overview. But it's a lot of like... For such a small amount of text, it adds a lot of character to the circus. Yeah. It's fun. But in, in particular, there is the uh, the elephant trainer, uh-huh. who is a Shanshan. You mean the, like the giant boar horse trainer? Yeah, the giant boar horse trainer. <laughs> right. And the Elaine and Nynaeve, having no subtlety whatsoever, immediately grill her for information. And <laughs> hey. tell her, we know you're from Shanshan. <laughs> we recognize the accent. You're a Shanshan. Don't yeah. worry, we're not going to kill you, probably. <laughs> well, I mean, let's go around, they... They didn't recognize the Shanshan accent immediately, so I guess this time they're yeah, right. A they're little stepping more, up. yeah, exactly. Fool me three times, shame on them, right? <laughs> but um, yeah. it, it it is useful to have access to someone like this, I think, because you know that she seems on board. She seems like you know genuinely interested in like not oh, dying. So. I don't know. She's interested in not dying for sure, but she like prostrates herself in front of Elaine when she figures out that Elaine really is a noble. Yeah. She says she's one of the blood or the high nobility or something. But that's not that good either. She doesn't want that. Well, I mean, if it, if it gives if it gains her loyalty at least for a little while. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, and I I like that uh, Luca hasn't given up on Elaine. It's like, "Why don't you stay in my in my uh in my cabin?" And Elaine's like, "No. Nah. Hard pass." Hard pass. <laughs> yeah. Now he's like, "I'll stay in your cabin." Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was weird. Because I... He was like, he was like why don't you invite me? And she, he was like, well, why, why, why don't I invite you? Like, I mean, no. Is, I, that, I, is that the green light, right? I, I think the idea is that ne- the, the look on Nynaeve's face indicated that if he were to do so, it would be poorly for him. Mm. Yeah. I, I get the impression she could be intimidating on occasion. Right. So off they go with these circus folk. Chapter 18, A Hound of Darkness. Icon of the Black Aja. Hey, Jeff, Micah, did you know that Leandrin has a pouty rosebud lips and honey-colored braids? Man, you know, I, I really didn't, but luckily they tell us, like, immediately as soon as they <laughs> mention her character again. Because that's no, the only... Yeah, but get this, she has dark eyes. Oh. Oh, weird. <laughs> uh, this is a, so a Black Aja chapter. These are actually pretty rare, right? Like, we, I remember we've had one of these before from, yeah. from Leandrin's perspective. Right, we get, we get occasional check-ins with Leandrin. And now she's staying with some dark friends in Amador and treating the dark friends extremely badly. Uh-huh. This is like chapter 10 of our recurring segment, Why Would Anybody Want to Be a Dark Friend? <laughs> right? Like, having Black Aja as house guests just, like, sounds awful. Like, yeah, they terrified everybody. They, they, they tortured, tortured the his, master of the house. To, to the, the point that he can't do anything. He like can't get out of bed. Yeah. It's and he awful. might be okay in, uh, you know, three months? Yeah, they, it, it seems so bad. Mm. What did they get out of this? Yeah, recruiting for, uh, recruiting for Dark Friends has got to be real tough. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And this is what the, is supposed to... 
this is what they were supposed to be waiting for too. You know, the Dark One is is escaping from his prison, and the Black Aja is out doing things, and the Forsaken walk the earth, and this is when it's supposed to pay off. So we talked. I know we talked about this before, but all I can figure is that I mean, like, this is a wealthy merchant family, right? That that's they're the Dark Friends. Yeah. All I can figure is that like the payoff for them has been everything up until now. Like maybe. Being a dark friend has led to them gaining all this wealth and becoming like successful merchants. Yeah, maybe it's not very well established. It really isn't. Yeah, that's 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 only like loose inference on my part. That's all I can figure. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to note that Leandrin thinks about some of the reverses she suffered in the in the last few months, and uh, she blames Nynaeve and Egwene and Elaine for them, which is totally accurate. But then she says they couldn't have been in Tanchico. Because they're so stupid, they kept walking into our traps. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, like, she's not wrong. I mean, she's totally right. <laughs> she's like, no, no, the people who attacked in Tanchigo were far too competent to be <laughs> naive and her friends. <laughs> Must have been somebody else. And that's, you know, that's the real thing about NDA. It's they're, they fly under the radar by being so inco- They're like, it's like pool sharks, right? They're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to play pool. Let's play some money on it. <laughs> yeah, and then bang. Nynaeve punches you in the face. <laughs> Abraka, fuck you. <laughs> uh, but Le- Leandrin catches a bad break here because Mogedian is there and has decided to take over her little clutch of Black Aja. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mogedian easily crushes all the resistance of all the Black Aja people, including Leandrin. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting seeing Leandrin's thought process because, you know, she, she's a very clever and analytical evil person I guess mm-hmm. so she's observing and she's like oh she doesn't have perfect knowledge she'd always thought of the forsaken sorry the chosen as <laughs> as omnipotent but now she's learning that they have weaknesses and so she's now she's thinking oh maybe I can maybe I can exploit this but no <laughs> right it does not work at not, all not yeah. at all she tries to attack Mogedian's mind and Mogedian is not having it at all she shows her what real mind control looks like yeah and humiliates her and makes her stand against the wall with the arrest, and then Bogadin gives them all orders, all except for Leandrin and four others who are tasked to go after Nynaeve. Yep. So I guess that's going to come to a head. I, I, I just think it was interesting seeing, kind of in practice, a normal Aes Sedai pitted against uh, one of the Forsaken. Because up until now, the only people we've seen really interacting with the Forsaken in a like a... A, a wizard battle sort of way where people like Rand or Nynaeve who are just like extremely powerful with uh, the one power yeah. or in one instance Maureen where I, I guess she caught him by surprise right but like this is like a probably not the strongest Aes Sedai in the tower but an average Aes Sedai from the White Tower is just like crushed by the Forsaken without any without any effort yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah in not any effort at all you know that's, and this is not even one of the strong Forsaken yeah that's right I mean Mogedian has her 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 specialties. I think they mentioned she's she's almost as good as good at dream stuff as Lanfear, but um, yeah, she's not not as strong in the power some. But it makes you wonder like what chance would any other person have against one of the, one of the Forsaken? Yeah, no nothing. chance, right? Yeah. yeah. Chapter nineteen: Memories, icon of the dagger. So this is a Morgay's chapter. And uh, Morghese is in her weird brain fog that Lord Gabriel keeps her in when she gets the news from Talonvor of ah, the rebellion in the Two Rivers. Talonvor, I remember this guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, I like this dude. He's popping up every now and then. And I, I wasn't aware that Perrin was rebelling. He's not. This is just like the way the information that they're receiving, and right? It totally makes sense. You know, he did raise the flag of Minetherin. Yeah, well, I. Uh, 
didn't he send Fail to go basically speak on his behalf? I don't. But I don't she, didn't, she do didn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> but but like that was the idea is that he wasn't intending to rebel. He was like, we're we're making a stand here, and we want to like you mm-hmm. know have good relations with Andor. Yeah, I, I have a suspicion that since the the Andor and soldiers didn't help the two rivers. Uh, that the two rivers isn't going to be too hot to just be another thief of Andor. No, you're you're definitely right about that. It was also interesting hearing like the the the, the thought process that goes into why the two rivers was left alone. It's like they had this the yeah, choice cool. between between the the mines that give them uh, gold and iron, or the two rivers which gave them like wool and tobacco. And they're like, well, I guess that's an easy decision, right? Yeah, right. They could only afford. Or they only had the the resources to hold on to one of them. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. So this makes Morgaze really angry, and she goes to bring it up with Lord Gabriel, who mind controls her immediately and sends her back to her room. But she notices that he's he's there with all of her enemies, and she sort of puts together in her weird mind drug state that Gabriel is betraying her, that he's meeting with her enemies. This whole section is actually kind of heartbreaking to me because it's like. Mm-hmm. This, this sense that you, you can see the kind of person that Morgaze is and just like her struggling to regain herself mm-hmm. and just like all like the, the, the war that's happening between the mind controlled side of her and her like her will is just it's kind of sad. Yeah. yeah. But well written. Very well written. Yeah. It, it, it's uh, reading it. You can feel that, that mm-hmm. sense. Right. Yeah. And she, she's so shocked that she goes and she visits Linny, her childhood nurse who... We finally get an appearance from Lenny. Yeah. I know. We're so I'm, I'm so excited to meet Lenny. <laughs> heard so much about her. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I also think it's kind of cool the way that they um, the way that they have like the the palace retirement plan. I guess. Oh yeah, that's the a pensioners. great idea. Yeah. yeah, they have the pen, uh, pensioners' quarters, and the they are given um, the ability to purchase from the purchase food from the palace kitchens at like lower than cost. It's just like kind of fun little stuff. I'm glad yeah, they yeah. do that. But she goes to Lenny and. Linny, I, I like this, true to form. Like What everybody remembers about Linny is that she tells them hard truths and doesn't take any crap. And she tells Morghese exactly what's going on. You've, you've sent away all your allies and all these people that are your enemies are here. And you have no control over the army anymore. And basically, Gabriel has been dismantling your power base and you've been helping him. I thought you knew. Yeah, Lenny doesn't realize that Morghese has is under Gabriel's yeah. mind yeah, none control. None of them know what's going on. No, they don't. Well, how could they? Because I mean, like the the only, I mean, even Morghese doesn't doesn't let herself really believe it because the only answer is that there's a male channeler there, and as far as they know, yeah. and she that's impossible, that. right? So the, as far as they can tell, she's just besotted yeah. with this guy. That's weird though, because it doesn't seem like it would be in character for Morghese at all to be so besotted to the point where she lets her old friends from the friendly houses be tortured and exiled. Well, no, yeah. it's not, but she's being, what do you mean? Yeah, she, I mean, she's being mind controlled for sure. Yeah, she's being mind controlled. I just, it's, it's difficult for me that people just accepted this idea that she was, you know, cockthirsty, and, and which is why she was doing all but, these but, insane well, things, so which like, were out of character. What, what, what are the explanation? Yeah. yeah, I there's don't. There's no such like in this world. There's no such thing as men mind control. That doesn't exist because the Forsaken are a fairy tale. Yeah. So there's no other explanation. Okay, fair enough. I mean, even Linny, she just she thinks it's just a character flaw in Morghais that she's chasing after this man. I mean, that's yeah, what Morghais thinks about herself, right? I think it's been really hard for everybody to accept it. Yeah. Because nobody understands it, but then you look at the facts, and the facts are that she's wearing this, like, 
you know, sexy dresses for this guy all the time and letting him make all the decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, what else, what, what other explanation could there be? She's gone crazy? Yeah, he's, he's drugging her or he's got some kind of hold over her or something. I, I but... would think people, with her, people who knew her would think more highly of her and think that there had to be something more going on there than her just having a crush on this guy. All the people who would think higher of her have been exiled by her. Except for Lenny, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they may actually, her allies might be off in their manor houses thinking he's got a hold on her somehow. We have mm-hmm. no idea what's going on. But the one person among her allies who spoke up was literally flogged in front of the entire court. Yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, there's, it's, it's hard to... And, and she herself is in no position to analyze her own mental state. Right. You know. But I, th- I think it's really cool that Lenny is the one who kind of shakes her loose from this. And, uh, like, Lenny, in... in, in Full uh, honor of all of my anticipation is awesome. She's yeah. so cool. I love her. <laughs> and Morgays takes a moment to reflect on her romantic history. Because uh, I, I think she's still trying to figure out what's going on with her. Yeah. Something about, oh, I mean, I've made really bad choices about, right. about dudes. Yeah. And so we know, this is, this is interesting. We know that she was married to Taryn Gale, but there was no love there. Yeah. And then after that, she was... With Tom. Uh, yeah, Tom was her consort. Until know. he blew her off over that whole Owen thing, which she didn't even know why that happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there was Gareth Bryan, uh, who I guess she was never really romantic with, but... Uh, that is not thing. the impression that I got. No. I think and, it was, yeah. Yeah, and Gareth Bryan even thinks in, in, the, in this book, in earlier chapters, he thinks that he thought Morgays loved him. Then she mentions that he committed treason. I don't... Do we know the specifics of that? I know that he, like, was basically speaking up he was that, speaking up. That okay, was it. Is that it? Okay. And he, he was like crossing her in public and stuff like that, which okay. I think made her legitimately angry in addition to be her mind control thing. Yeah. But at, at this, Lenny says the favorite thing of hers that she said so far is that men are only good for three things, but they're really good for those things. So, <laughs> so they don't... I, I'm glad they you mentioned that because yeah. I want to know... What, yeah. What do you think those three things are? Well, well they say one of them is dancing. Yeah, right, right after she thinks about dancing. Well, I mean, that's one of the things she thinks about. Like, is it the that. horizontal bop? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, what do you think the three things are? I, I mean, I know what they are. Uh, well, <laughs> dick and two balls. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to wow. be fighting, fucking, and opening jars. <laughs> and killing spiders. They don't have jars killing in spiders. this world. Well, oh, there yeah. you go, then. It's just killing spiders. Okay, fighting, fucking, and killing spiders. That's kind of fighting, right? I usually fuck them. <laughs> the spiders? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's the fight or fuck response, right? <laughs> you see a scary spider? <laughs> yeah, I, I say, I'm going to have me that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all eight legs. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether to run or stick my dick in it. <laughs> Is the, the natural reaction to danger for all men? <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, there's something kind of annoying that happens here. So, in addition to all of this, like, Losing her, it seems clear to Morgays that uh, Robin or what's his name, Gabriel, uh, is positioning himself to steal her crown, right? But that's not the thing that pisses her off. Uh, what pisses her off most is when she finds out he's sleeping with other women. Mm. Well, not just other women, though. He's gathered around women from the rival houses. No, not that. That's a different thing. It's oh. the fact that he's like, he's yeah. got these women that he's sleeping like, oh, this. You know, yeah. There's the woman from Tear, and there's Altama, woman. and and there's and Lenny says, yeah, and there's these six others too. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's so it's like she's she's upset about this one thing, but apparently what really sets her off is that he's sleeping with other with other women. I think that that's the humiliation part of it, right? I I think this is my read yeah. that the the power struggle thing where he's 
undermined her base of power and is trying to set up as a king. Like she knows how to deal with that because that she won the succession in the first place. She's mm-hmm. like, okay, I can, I'm capable of that. I'm going to go here. I'm going to rebuild my power base. But then this is like a personal humiliation, which she has probably never experienced, right? Yeah. Whenever anybody crosses her, she exiles them. <laughs> That's right. That so, makes sense. So I, 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 I believe that she would have a, a much more visceral reaction to this one. Okay. That makes sense. Without her being, you know, shallow and man crazy or whatever. No, it, it just rubbed me the wrong way that like, oh, you know, he's taking my power. But no, he can't sleep with other women. You know, it's like it, it seemed like a weird kind of like split there. But I guess it makes sense if it's just like the... The, humili- the humiliation. And a quick question. How old is Tom? Because when she's recalling her romantic past, after her first marriage, she gets together with Tom and he says he had been twice her age then. Yeah. Well, he had a grown nephew at the time he was exiled. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let's say let's say she got married young and she was 25, which still sounds crazy young, but that's the absolute youngest she could probably be, right? After yeah. going through her first marriage and having two kids. So he would have been... At least 50, and uh-huh. that was back in the day. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he's got to be super old he's now. He's got to be pushing 60 70s. or 70 at least. Older yeah. than that, yeah. I think he's got white hair, right? Everybody yeah. says he looks old. Yeah. yeah. He's awfully spry for an 80-year-old, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, not since that mirror draw. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for, th- thanks for that limp. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, he's, he's old enough to be... Elaine's grandfather for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's older than I kind of thought of him. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I was having the same impression, Alice. Like when I, when I was when I was reading that part, I was like, oh, he's well, much older than I maybe realized. Maybe he wasn't actually old enough to be her father. Maybe she just thought he was super old. You know, she's like twenty five and he's thirty two, and she's like, he's so old. Nobody says twice his age, so she's twenty five. He? He's fifty. Okay, well, maybe if she was twenty, he would have been forty. Yeah. If she was twelve, he would have been twenty-four. <laughs> I, I don't think she was twelve. <laughs> so, the, so, so let's let's say, and we'll we'll be generous here, that she was she was very young when she took the throne because like, they mentioned that she was very young when she began her rise to power, right? Mm. Um, so we'll say she was like sixteen. And then. he was with her when she began her rise to power. Right. I yeah. Think, I would, think she mentioned in passing that she does. Yeah, that he was actually the family. Bard before he became the court bard. So he's actually been with her all along, which I thought was, that's why I brought that up when we were talking about the last chapter. Yeah. That's news to me. I, I didn't realize he'd been with her all along, but he's been with her since she was a kid, I guess. Right. But yeah, so he, we'll, we'll say that he, she's 20, he's 40, and then we'll say that now it's been another 20 years. So he could be, he could be 60. At the youngest. Yeah. You know. But definitely could be older too. Yeah. Between 60 and 90 years old. <laughs> well, speaking of age differences, yeah. Lenny goes and gets Talonvor, uh-huh. who has just got like a raging loyalty boner for Mortez. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it's just a loyalty boner. I know. It seems it's like he's kind of really in, in love with her. Or yeah, and he's still loyal to her, even though he swore the oath with yeah. the other uh, dudes. But then he undid the oath by kneeling and cutting himself on the arm to swear an oath back to Morghese. While he was crying. He While was, crying. He was in the stables crying to himself, apologizing to Morghese, cutting himself. This yeah. is a little concerning behavior. It's pretty serious, all. but really glad to have this guy. Yeah, uh, he's, certainly, uh, he's certainly loyal. Yeah, it's, this is exactly what we need right now. But then we get a callback to Basil Gill. Oh, yeah. that's right. They escaped. Uh, the first place they escaped from the palace is the Queen's Blessing. And Basil Gill's... He pulls out his old chainmail and straps on a sword and he fights with them. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. 
Yeah, it's great. Him and uh, Lamguin, and I guess Lamguin's got a lady now. Yeah. Do we are we supposed to know who this is? Because she's a, a refugee. I'm wondering if she's like a minor character that we've mentioned. I don't mentioned think so. Previously. She's uh, she's a Kyrianian. We don't know very many of those. We, we've mentioned we've come across a few refugees of Kyrian in various places, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, this is cool. And she's like, this is my army now. It's, it's Linny and Talonvor and Basilgil and Lamguin and this lady, like Lamguin's lady. And Linny, like in the meantime, Linny's like just keeping up and just like chugging along. And, <laughs> and Morgan's is like, are you okay? She's like, yeah, fuck you, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. Morgan's like, I'm going to have your, have your head. And she's like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, You're going to dull an axe on my neck, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's the way I imagine Linny. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Um, this is yeah. I love this. I love, I love Morghese is like her last loyal people are Basil Gill and his people. Yeah. And so uh, they head out and they decide to head to who might be their only other loyal person, who is Gareth Bryan in Chorus Springs. Yeah. This is this is a, an interesting setup because we know that Gareth Bryan is like off chasing after Swan. So while well, Morghese is chasing Gareth Bryan, he's chasing Swan, and it's like I guess <laughs> journey across the country. I don't know. Right. Yeah. But the, this is great. She escaped. Yeah. Finally. By, by herself, too. You know? She didn't need to get rescued. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was also really sad in this chapter to see what Gabriel's policies have done to Andor, or to Camelon specifically. Yeah. Like, nobody trusts the queen, and there's been really high taxes, and everybody's disgruntled, and it's just being run badly because Robin doesn't give a shit about that. Mm. Yeah, like, his, his, his only interest is, like, is consolidating and growing his power, so... He sees the the humans of Camelon as like a burnable resource. I'm sure. Yeah. He's not no like long long term governance. Yeah, and Camelon was such a awesome fantasy city. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe having the Forsaken running things isn't great. <laughs> yeah. So as Morghese sets out, we cut to Padden Fane, who finds the dagger in the secret Aes Sedai room full of evil treasures. <laughs> Reunited and it feels so good. He's yeah. like really happy to have that dagger back. He's super, super happy. And uh, but he also meets Alviarin, who we find out is Black Aja. Which we, I, th- I I'm t- we, we sort of suspected that, right? She was, she's one of the ones who was acting real, she real was shady. shady before. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. But we, d- we didn't have it confirmed. And I, I think we know now that Elida is not Black Aja, but Alviarin is, and mm-hmm. Elida is the puppet. Yeah. Yes. Alviarin is definitely running the show. We uh, is Alviarin the one who was watching Egwene in the kitchens? I'm trying to remember. Was it Alviarin? No, that was Alana. Alana, okay, Alana. Yeah. Who's now in Two Rivers? That's right. She yeah. is with Perrin. Yeah. Fun. So we don't know what's up with Alana. She seems pretty sketchy too. Very sketchy. But you know, so does so does Varen. They're all they're all sketchy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, there's a neat tete with Padden Fane and Alviarin where they're kind of like. Who do you work for? No, who do you work for? Uh, why don't we just leave it here? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you're black. I was just like, that would be a very dangerous thing for me to admit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So love- how about I don't kill you and you don't kill me and we just leave? Deal. Deal. <laughs> I love Patton Fane's like, description of Thakandar. Oh, right. Yeah. Just read a metal album. <laughs> very cool. Yeah. Uh, the The... Smoke from the volcano blackens out the sky, and lightning strikes up from the ground in a sky that would drive men mad. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it went down into the mountain to a river of molten flame. 
Pretty Stones cool. like fangs brushing my head. <laughs> Crashing in silence against the black cliffs. The fires of the forge is growing red beneath. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> and Aviarin's like, okay, whoa, whoa, yeah, we got it. Yeah, <laughs> so we know that this this Forsaken thing where they, they do a lot of interior decorating to match their style yeah. comes right from the top. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but yeah, Aviarin kind of uh, leaves him alone. And Pat and Fane heads off somewhere else. Yeah, great. I... Uh, I guess I thought he'd be there doing more than just stealing a dagger. Yeah, I thought he was going to corrupt Elida or, you know, do some more death stuff in Tarvalon. But no, he was just there for the dagger. Yeah. And now he's gone. Yep, now he's in the wind. Yep. Chapter 20. Jengai Pass. Icon of the seal of Tarvalon. The seal under which the dragon will conquer. So Rand with the Aiel approaches the town of Tayen in the Jengai Pass. And there's another fun little side thing. I mean, we haven't... Robert Jordan did this a whole lot in the first book, but less so now, where they see little, like, remnants of the past. Yeah. They see, like, I guess it's a giant caduceus, right? Yeah, it's a staff with... with the snake intertwined around it. The snakes entwined around it, but hundreds of feet high on the side of a cliff. Yeah. And then... And the, at the top of the cliff, there's ruins of a city and a dock. It looks like a dock, yeah, at the top of the mountain. Right, yeah. And Rand keeps... He thinks, like, you know, when you climb that high, you, you can't breathe. Like, I, that's crazy that it's up there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm guessing that was just, like... Because we know that they used to have, like... Um, like flying cars and shit in the oh maybe that's it I, Age of Legends. I thought Rand's supposition that this this had been a port on a sea before the breaking of the world was the, right. You know you're you're probably right actually now that you mentioned it because I think that we, they mentioned that the Aiel Waste there's a huge sea underground that was basically just right. sunk there. Right. So maybe maybe the whole Aiel Waste was a sea. Yeah, I think you're right. But it also could be an airship dock. Yeah. We won't know. Yeah. Very cool. I, I can just envision it, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, as this uh, chapter begins, Moraine is apparently attempting to upload her entire education to Rand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we speculated before that Moraine is anticipating her imminent death, and this seems to support that idea. Absolutely, yeah. And, and Rand's like, we got plenty of time for me to learn this stuff. And she's like, yeah, plenty of time. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Uh... But uh, there's a little town at the base of the pass. On the Isle side. I was a little confused by the geography, but I think it's on the Isle side, but these are wetlands right, that yeah. there. Uh, not anymore, because it's been sacked by Kuladin. Yeah, and, I, the Isle, when they're raiding, do not fuck around. Yeah, no joke. They, they've killed almost everybody, and they've done a new thing, which is they've enslaved all the young people as Guy Shane. Yeah. Which they're not allowed to do, because we find out later that you can't take wetlanders who don't, if they don't follow J.A. Toe, they can't be. That's Gashen. right. It doesn't even make any sense. No. They're just slaves. So this is war. very offensive to the Aiel. It's mm-hmm. like a, you know, I mean, there's lots of things that are taboo to the Aiel, but this is, this is an extreme one for sure. And it indicates that uh, Kuladin has completely abandoned J.A. Toe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, we get a reminder here that the Aiel hate Kyrianin. Which, I guess we knew, but I, I had forgotten. Yeah, same. I, so this is going to be a problem when Rand brings his army of Aiel... To save Kyrian, yeah, really. To save right? Kyrian, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We get uh, another, I wanted to point out, cool Aiel quote here. Uh-huh. Killing was as easy as dying. Any fool could do either. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a Robert Jordan quote right there. Yep. And I also wanted to note that during this little scene, 
when Matt's not paying attention, he's a really good horse rider. Now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. That was funny. Another, another skill he's picked up as a result, result of his like patchwork memories. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. I love Matt now. And this whole scene, he's all like, you know, where, where were they defending the walls? You know, with, with a couple sentries, you could cover all of this area. <laughs> and, and they're all like, oh, oh yeah, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> Do tell. But yeah, Kuladin apparently has abandoned Giotto. And he apparently did all this to, to send a message. And we, yeah, he, he hung a bunch of people on the wall to just send a message to Rand and terrify him. It's pretty terrifying. Yeah, you can't say that Shido are poor communicators. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they get their message across. That's right. But uh, I guess it's, it's best if Rand catches up to Kuladin as soon as possible because he's crazy. Yeah, it sounds like they have gained some time. I think they said that they're about six days behind him. He said that the Kulin had a little bit over a week's lead before. Yeah. So gaining ground, but not fast enough. Yeah, but, and Rand also decides to look after the survivors of this town and take care of them. Yeah, so he's got, going to uh, snowball. He's going to grow as he goes. Yeah, well, these people don't seem like very useful fighters. No. Nah, yeah. I mean, there's a hundred of them. Might be someone in there. No, I guess they're, prob- they're all probably old. I think they took all old. the young people. To yeah, be yeah. So, that's it for this episode. Next time, we're going to cover chapters 21 through 26 of The Fires of Heaven. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan, at Alice M. Sullivan. I'm Micah Sparkman, and I don't have any of those things. <laughs> if you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. We'd love to hear from you. And please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash club. Please like us in real life. We're super likable. Until next time, the The light light illumines you. you.